disclaimer. This podcast features explicit language and discussions sexual in nature. It may contain subjects uncomfortable to some. Please understand that the opinions shared on this podcast are not a representation of any organization or employer the host may be a part of. How much money do you want the podcast to make before you call the podcast successful? How much money can a podcast make if a podcast can make money? Un- How much pods can a podcast cast if a podcast can cast pods? Three. What is successful? Yeah, that's my question to you, is how would you measure success? When would you oh. be like, yeah, this is successful? I think it wouldn't be really the money that we're making. It would be more of engagement. How many people are listening to what we're saying? I Money, uh, as long as I'm surviving, I don't really care too much about money. Money can come and go? Yeah. But bitches are forever? But bitches are forever. So one thing, I do have a question for you. I was watching this, sh- like, Viking show. Is it called Vikings? Uh, I think it's Viking Valhalla. No, no, Last Kingdom. Sorry. Last Kingdom. Uh, season one, there's an episode where the Vikings kill, like, a king's son or something, and he they actually, like, ride his bloody horse. It's a white horse, but there's blood all over it. Rides it up to the front gates of the castle, pulls out the son's head and then throws it like at the gate isn't that like a baptism of some sort or i don't know but i was wondering (laughs) do you think like vikings like sat down and thought things like this through like do you think they were like hey do you think this would be like metal as fuck if we like chop the dude's head off we come riding in on his bloody horse throw the head at the gate and we're like Fuck yeah, man. Oh, yeah. And then, like, oh, I don't know about that. And they're like, oh, well, if it, if anything else fails, like, we'll, like, bite the head off of a bat maybe and throw that at them. It's Or do you think they they just did it? They were well, like, I, oh, let's just do it. That's, that's hard to tell because, like, I, I can imagine both scenarios where they're, like, all around a sand table and they're like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. Like, he's got a white horse, right? Oh, this is going to be badass. Yeah, we're going to get But at so the same time, in the, <laughs> in the spirit of who they were as people, I could see them just fucking doing that. Yeah, I, yeah. like, because they're Viking, they're, it's a story about Vikings, I almost feel like it was written in history as, like, as that, <laughs> you know, like, like this is just our heritage. This is just the way we live. Yeah, hey, uh, I think your I think your son lost this. <laughs> I think it's I think he lost this. He didn't have it screwed on tight enough. We thought we would return it. Welcome back, everybody. We're unnatural to some today. We're going to be talking about William Marston again. We're going to get back into part three of our series covering the life and sexual adventures of William Marston, right? Yeah, like the lore. We're going to be covering the lore of this guy. The lore of William Marston. Yeah. And yeah. I know I know what everybody's wondering about. And, Jay, I really want to know what your opinion is on all of this. Was William a bottom? Right, he was a bottom, right? I mean, or... Like, or <laughs> Like was he, looking was he up, the sub? I think he was the sub, so maybe he was the bottom. Like, he created Wonder Woman, this very clearly dumb. She's a dumb. So, first of all, I will say... William's a bottom. You you have to roll a 10 or higher for me to answer your question. Oh, shit. Ooh. I don't know. That doesn't count. To answer your question... We actually get into it. <gasps> we might get into it on this episode. Oh, really? I don't know. Should I give like spoilers? I don't know. He was a go-getter. He set out like anything he went out to do, he he did. So he was a take charge kind of guy. He didn't, you know, create Wonder Woman. Uh, total sub bottom. Total sub bottom. I don't know need to hear anymore. So <laughs> what what is it with sub bottoms like what is the why why does it matter huh why why does it matter if he oh does, there's a difference a than a, this is a sub a top there's a difference between a sub top and a sub bottom yeah so why be- does it matter 
What do you mean? Why does what matter? Why does it matter who he was? Nobody's. How he was. Oh. I just want to. Yeah, I'm just curious. Are you like shaming bottoms? Oh, no. I'm only into shaming if that's what they're into. I just want to put a creative imagination in my head of William Marston. Instead of just being Mm. a regular old guy, I kind of want to see him as this kinky guy that like, you know, gets down in private. Like, you know, he's he's submissive. He uh likes dominant women. Yeah, all everything that I've taken from him toys. Everything that I've learned about <laughs> him, I'm like, yeah, he totally likes being tied up. Well, yeah, where where did we leave off with William Marston? I remember we brought up uh the third member of their polyamorous relationship actually, which was Olive. Yeah, I think we were we were in getting into his college life, right? Or Oh, uh, we already or, talked we talked about Not his college, we were getting college into life. his um life as a professor. I believe his uh, his love life and his life as a professor, his more complex side of his love life. Probably where the movie I think picks up. Yep. Right? Yes. Um I do also believe that we were talking about Olive. Yeah, more specifically about Olive and more getting more into detail about her as a person. Yes. Yeah. So let's uh let's dive back into it. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. More, more, more. So in nineteen twenty two, Olive actually spent the summer with her mother in Cape Cod, which is actually it was a safe haven for quote homosexuals. Wonder if it's still a safe haven today. I don't hear much about things from Cape Cod. Yeah. Do things still happen there? Well, it's all the way on the East Coast. We're, we are on the West Coast. Oh, yeah, so. that's right. It's not like we're going to hear a lot of East Coast things. They're already asleep by the time we wake up. It makes sense. Yeah. They don't know what's going on there. What time do you guys wake up? I'm pretty early. We're early risers. Something that's really interesting, I feel like I say that way too often. Something that's really interesting. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Is it? Is it interesting? Is it I think it's just that we talk we talk about a lot of topics that are interesting. It's it's also hard because I take notes on the things that I find interesting. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's everything is like something that's it's pretty interesting. interesting. It's pretty interesting. We can find the other words. Yeah. Since since cinnamons, cinnamon, cinnamons, Auntie Anne's. So getting back into it. So. Something to note here is that her mother and her aunt, um, Ethel and Margaret Sanger, Sanger, sorry history, is um, they believed in sex outside of marriage. They actually believed that marriage was a form of oppression, Mm. uh, specifically sexual oppression. How so? So basically, you know, kind of people would get married very young and then you're supposed to be loyal to that person. You're supposed to be tied down to that person. That's the only person you're supposed to have sex with. Also keep in mind at the time sex for pleasure was not a thing. You were supposed to specifically like have sex to reproduce. So what is time? (laughs) Yeah. So in a way like marriage was, Oppression, like sexual oppression, oppression, because you're expected to do that. Yeah, society-wise, well, you, age, you were considered an unsuccessful woman if you were over a certain age and not married and having ch- children yet, right? Right, which is actually very interesting because we see that today. There's a do lot. We? Yes, there's a there's a huge movement of, you know, people not having children that are our age that are married. They do not want to have children. However, uh, them getting like pressured by their family, like when are you going to have kids? Why don't you have kids? When when are yeah. my, when am I getting grandchildren? When when are you going to make me grandchildren? It's like, uh, maybe I don't want to make kids. Like maybe I don't want to bring them into a world like this. Yeah, world's resources are only so limited. Like we can't can't draw out oil out of the earth forever. You know, we can't. Unless you need plastic. Chop down trees forever. Tons of plastic. I I think Jenny was about to like go on like a Thanos rant. 
something. <laughs> I, was very, I think so. We too. might as well just repurge the planet. Just purge the planet. Just half. Only half. Only half. Only yeah, half. Half, half okay. the planet. Um, but no, we, we see this today. You're supposed to go to high school. When you get out of high school, school, you're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to buy a house. You're supposed to have children. And then when you. you and then repeat of, the cycle. When you don't do that, you know, there's a lot of questions typically. Why aren't you doing that? So. Yeah. Yeah. William Marston. Okay. Definitely a bottom. What is up with the the bottom questions today? <laughs> we talk a lot about bottoms. <sighs> Soapy bottoms. <laughs> There's nothing better than a soapy bottom. I like a soapy bottom. What? A soft core soaped up butts, like from a PG-13 camp movie. I can't get enough of it. Drives me wild. Okay, let's talk about something else. Okay, so back to Margaret and Ethel. Yes, so even though her aunt would remarry a millionaire in 1922... Oh, how convenient. It's like a billionaire nowadays, or a trillionaire. So... Someone was born in a castle, and someone else is married to a billionaire. There seems to be a pattern in the story. However, she would keep it a secret for over a year. Oh, wow. Why? Uh, So, based on my research, it was most likely to help fund her birth control movement. And I say that in regards of, if you're married to a millionaire... You know, why Why would you need funds? Like, why would you need donations? Like, why not just, like, have your husband pay for it? That's true. Right? So, I think it also kind of paints, like, a different picture, right? Like, someone from high society, you know, kind of, like, fighting for a cause versus someone that's, like, trying to very much be the average, everyday person fighting for women's rights, it I think it hits differently. Oh, uh, so she was afraid of having a public image of being married into money. Right. But, like, so imagine this. Two, two different politicians. Yeah. One politician, so something that's a very hot topic today, affordable housing. So if, what if one... One politician's yelling ab- about affordable housing, trying to get more options on the market, trying to fundraise, get money for programs, get grants for programs. Um, so let's say, sorry, let's say both of them are doing that. One politician, you find out, came from a very poor background, was homeless, struggled to find affordable housing. Now he's in Congress. He's fighting, he's yelling for affordable housing versus someone who is a millionaire screaming about affordable housing. Which one, I think, hits harder? I mean, it it sounds like, you know, obviously the person with that background cares more about that cause because they got to where they're at now from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Of dealing with that problem versus... You know, someone who's lived a life of luxury being like, yeah, I I care about poor people. Yeah, it becomes very political. Like, oh, you're Mm -hmm. just choosing a hot topic because, you know, people you're trying to get Mm reelected. And this is my like personal opinion um, from the research that I did. But I, I do feel like maybe she did think that it was going to help her public image if everyone all of a sudden knew that she was this very wealthy, like, millionaire. That's just personally my opinion. Mm. So she kept it hidden. Right. However, Tried her, to. her new husband is the person that paid for Olive's college tuition. Oh. At Tufts University. Nice. Very nice. So is he a pay pig? <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh I don't think they had the term pay pig back then. 
Maybe. I don't know. He's a pay pig. Anyways, um, so in her freshman year of college, by the way, she was an English major. Uh, she started school. She was already two months behind in her semester, so it was kind of she was struggling fr- right from the gate. She didn't really do that well grade-wise in college. Uh, she was in the glee club. She was on the newspaper staff for the college. Uh, she was chairman of the social committee. She played basketball. Uh, she landed a leading role in the opera. Uh, and she was a member of Alpha Omega Cron Phi sorority. So hold up. She sang opera? Yes. Wow. Wow. She has a very... Uh... Wow. And she... <sighs> She created the Tufts uh, Liberal Club. So she she did a lot of extra activities. Extracurriculars. Yes. Extra. She did a lot of extracurricular activities. Correct. Now, keep in mind, though, this is a different time. Yeah. You know, 1920s, you're not watching TV. Yeah, you're expected to be pretty well-rounded and... Busy. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Yeah, you Listen to the radio? Yeah, you couldn't yeah. play the new Zelda game. No. You had to go outside Put and newspapers? do things. No, I know what you did. Read Wonder Woman comics. Wasn't out yet. Oh, uh, read comics. Wasn't out yet. Paper mache? Uh, maybe crocheting? Knitting. Yeah. yeah. And just getting kinky. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> getting plain old kinky. <laughs> So, needless to say, she ended her freshman year on academic probation. Her grades would come up. She would do better. Uh, Something to note here, her sophomore year, she actually invited her aunt to come and speak as a guest for the uh, liberal club. However, the college refused to let her on campus. We talked about this, I believe, in the very first episode about how college campuses were trying to keep Women from talking and yeah, fighting, basically trying to silence them. Yeah, yeah, they weren't allowed to talk on campus or something. Yeah. Like speak publicly on campus. And it, it seemed like a lot of students, men included, males included, were against that. They're like, "Fuck that! We're gonna, we're gonna talk, we're gonna protest, and we're gonna have whatever speakers we want." We're not gonna take it. No, we're not gonna take it. We're not gonna take it anymore. 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 We're not gonna take it anymore. She was voted the wittiest, cleverest, and most distinctive student of class of 1926, though. Wow. She's very prestigious in her own right. Yeah. As far as like academic background, she sang opera. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty. I mean, it's like, pretty cool. Wasn't how many that, people do you know today? That was depicted in the movie too, right? Name a person that you've met that says like, "Yeah, I I sing opera." Yeah. No. Very funny. Really, you know somebody? So, the uh the first day of the Seattle Erotic Art Festival that we recently covered. That was last week. Yes, last week's episode. Um, the Seattle Opera was right next door to the Seattle Erotic Could you hear Art them? Festival. No, um, it was it was a little confusing. It was actually the opera was in the same building that the GSBA Impact Awards were in oh, that okay. we went to. Oh yeah, that was that was really nice. And I actually went there first, and they're like, "Oh no, this is the opera." Imagine Did they if you're say wearing it all like a gimp suit. Oh, oh. <laughs> fancy like that? Kind of. And then they were like, that is over there. They pointed into like the like go the enjoy building, your like, right next door. Go enjoy your garbage show over there. And I was like, okay, I will. I <laughs> go will. enjoy I'll your be garbage. Back. I'm gonna enjoy it so much. As he like snarfed down a snail. No, I, they were really cool. They they were kind of confused of what I was talking about. But then when they're I like, showed them, they're like, oh, that's over there. They're doing what over there? 
don't know what kind of stuff over there. I did. I was like, a, at first, I was a little intimidated because I was like, wow, I am like way underdressed here. We are like, everyone's wearing like suits and ties. I was not picturing this. So you were kind of relieved <laughs> to find out that that wasn't the event. Yeah. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, this I is like fun. that. This is better. This is a lot better. Okay. I love that. That's funny. All right. So in the fall of 1925, what happens? William Marston arrives at Tufts University. And we, we talked about this uh, in a previous episode. He always has like the right timing for everything. Yes. Really? Seriously. Now, what's very interesting is he arrives as a assistant professor. And I want to assistant. He's an assistant a professor. Okay. William is. He went from, yes, he went from Harvard to teaching at American University and then, and also being on the psychology board. Oh. Um, so he went from all that to teaching at Tufts University as an assistant professor. Why? So this is a this is a huge demotion. Yeah, he sound, yeah, because he had like a really good job and really good career, and that th- I think that part was actually present represented in the movie. Pretty it accurately. was. It was. We know something happened. We don't specifically know. So, for instance, um, we know he was fired from American University after he was arrested and charged with fraud. However, all charges were dropped. Mm. We do know, for instance. Sadie did not follow him to Massachusetts. She took a job in New York instead for a psychology journal. So you're talking about kind of a newlywed company or they're freshly together and they go on separate paths. He was doing very well academically in his career and then takes a huge demotion. And then she also changes uh, careers. Mm -hmm. She, she takes a, I think this might be her first job out of college. I'm not entirely sure. But the fact is, you know, and Sadie, Sadie is not your typical woman at all. Keep in mind, it's very much rumored that Wonder Woman is kind of based off of Sadie. So she is a very strong, independent woman. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit later, but she wanted to focus on her career she didn't want anything to hinder her career at all. However, it is a little odd that you're going to take a job in a different state from your husband altogether. Newly husband. Yes. <clears throat> Newly husband. And also at the same time, your husband got arrested for fraud, but all charges were dropped, got fired from a university and is no longer on a psychology board. And also is now an assistant professor. I mean, so something major happened there. Well, that, and I, I believe a lot of, a lot of women's success at the time was also framed around how successful their husband was. Correct. Yes. Now, something that I can't say for sure, this is what happened. But looking at like timeline of events. Keep in mind, this is 1925. Yes, 1925. In 1923, he published a book. Okay. Oh, was that, so this is, oh, is that the book on disc theory? No, not yet. Not yet. But he published a book on, um, or sorry, not a book. He published an article about sex. Oh, boy. Oh, I okay. probably... That so this probably, may have been the catalyst. Yeah. Now keep in mind, you know, psychology, there, you know, a lot of psychologists in this time period are obsessed with talking about sex. I mean, you had um, Sigmund Freud. Yeah. That Freud, guy. Who everything was sex to him. Every, every, you know, sex could be explained for every single thing in Penis psychology. Envy. Yeah. Yeah. He talked <laughs> about sex with how many different family members? Oh, like all of them. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That guy. So that that one. 
but I kind of I kind of feel like maybe his article didn't go so well and he started kind of getting maybe knocked down a little bit on his kind of academic ladder. Also getting arrested doesn't help even though the charges were dropped, but it looks bad. It yeah. looks bad. Yeah. yeah. Professional career it does. And I could see people <laughs> back then being hyper judgmental of, oh, you were accused of that. Yeah, but all dropped all charges were dropped. Yeah, but you were accused of that. Yeah. You know. Now we don't specifically know. I, I kind of feel like maybe it was a it was a few different things. So we don't specifically know, but I feel like maybe it was a few different things of you know, the article, maybe some other things. What we do know is what happens at Tufts. And I think maybe that can kind of be a clue. So at Tufts University, Olive took experimental psychology with William Marston in 1925. And besides gym class, it was her only A. Interesting. Oh, that's very interesting. Uh, in fact, she also took ap- applied psychology, abnormal psychology, and a research seminar meant for grad level students, and she got all A's in them as well. So mm-hmm. she's taking classes that she's not supposed to take, but she's getting her professor's approval to take them. She's making A's in all of these classes. She's an English major. She's not making A's in like English classes. I. Uh, I don't know. Sounds like kind of like a little bit of favoritism. Something's happening here. Adding to the level of some sort of unprofessional level here, William Marston hires her as a research assistant. Mm-hmm. Kind of questionable move to do. But what was he researching? Well, Wow, that's a good question. What was he researching? How the human body responds to lying. So that would be actually a very appropriate guess. And I could see why you would why you would guess that. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong. Yes. Damn. What was he researching? Studying. Drum roll how girls named Olive fall for their college perfect. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, how? (laughs) Tell me. No. So he was researching how women felt tying up and beating other women. Was that for a college credit? (laughs) <laughs> did they did they represent that in the movie very accurately? Because I know that they were at a certain point. You see that that uh, the one scene where Olive is doing her um, initiation. Sorority, uh, sorority initiation. It's very like it looks very kinky. So that that's what we're getting into. Yeah, was that him yeah. studying? Because uh, oh, it doesn't really clarify that in the movie. So very key difference here if you recall in the movie um william marston was with his wife and he like sneaks his wife in. yeah that totally did not happen in real life his wife was in new york yeah um, oh yeah wow so yeah, yeah that this, this goes way off course of yeah. what i remember from the movie well yeah yeah okay um it's like a new experience so yeah so previously william marston he was focused on the lie detector but now he's shifting to sex. Sexual things. So it's like deep dive into bondage. Wow. And spanking. And this was at Harvard? Uh, this was at Tufts University. This is the new place where he he moved to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's just an assistant. He is just an assistant. <laughs> I mean, he's teaching eight classes a semester. Oh, my God. Like As an assistant? <laughs> Professor? Yeah. It, well, I mean, so keep in mind, like, your tenured professors, yeah, they might teach a couple of classes, but they mainly want to do research. They want to do research. They want to hire research assistants for almost nothing. And, yeah, they're using the college to get funding for their research. 
Mm-hmm. And it sounds like some fun research. William is also experimenting on students, apparently. And your assistant professors are the ones that are doing all the grunt work of teaching all these other classes. So, well, tell me more. Tell me more about this. Tell me more. Tell Unraveling me more. of. So he was getting classmates to spank Olive, and he was like, Ugh, I need this woman only, in my life. Only female classmates. There's so, women spanking other women and tying them up. That's just a normal Wednesday here. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing weird about that here. So during during this time, he was developing the theory of he, uh, human emotions, which he would later um, cover in his book, Emotions of Normal People, which mm. established disc theory, which is still actually used today. For instance, I know the parent company that I work for uses disc theory very heavily. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So it's, I'm sure it's evolved over time. Oh. Or maybe like changed a little bit, but it's still, it's still used today. When you type mm-hmm. in a Google disk theory images, like there's a whole, there's a whole, oh my God, there's just a butt ton of images of different like layouts of the disk theory. Ton how, of butt. How many, how many is a butt ton? It's just a ton not of a stuff. metric ton of butt. It's just a ton of butt. A ton. Okay. Okay. A booty. Now, William Marston's disc theory is a behavioral <laughs> model that explains how individuals tend to respond to their environment and interact with with others. So basically, disc uh, puts people into four different personality traits. So the D, the I, the S, and the C all stand for something. Can you guess what they stand for? D is obviously for dominance. Yes. I is for influence because, you know, I'm an influencer. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> uh, S is for subs. Steadiness. Oh. Right. Right, and C is for conscientiousness. Correct. Wow. Oh, okay. I thought it was so. S was submissive. One I'm would sorry. think. One yeah. would think. <laughs> well, there's dominance. I forget. I forget. It's not BDSM yet. This is before. Okay, this is okay. the pre to BDSM. I thought it would be dominance this and then submissiveness. <laughs> BDSM isn't a thing yet. Okay. So my bad. Because it's of... the early 1900s still, right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. BDSM's like. Not around yet. I mean, I would say it's around. It's, it's around, like but it's not term. called that. The term isn't there. So kind of going into a little bit deeper, um, D, dominance. People with dominant personalities are assertive, goal-oriented, decisive. Uh, they're typically very confident and enjoy taking charge of all situations. Makes sense. Yes. Uh, the I, individuals with Influential personalities are outgoing, optimistic, and sociable. Uh, they enjoy building relationships and are good at persuading others. That makes sense. Um, S, steadiness. People are steady. People with a steady personality are patient, supportive, and reliable. They are typically team players who value harmony and stability. Okay. So C, conscientiousness, um, are individuals that are analytical, detail-oriented, and systematic. Uh, They value being very accurate and driving for perfection. Okay, so it's like, yeah. Which you would need in order to even pronounce your letter. It's almost like the disc theory back then was used a lot like, uh, what is that one personality test that we do nowadays? Um, oh, the Myers-Briggs? Yeah, it's like a very basic Myers-Briggs personality test, it seems like. Have you guys done that, by the way? Yeah. What are you? Oh, what, what oh I? gosh, what Ian, am I? Uh, I was like ENFP. We're the same. FJ or ENFP? No, we're, we're ENFP. ENFP? Both of us? Yeah. Does that scare you? Gonna leave the podcast now. Why? Hang on. Why? 
Does it what, is that bad? I think. Um, let me like. I'm They're like, yeah. Check. Uh, I think that's the most toxic one. <laughs> Extrovert. Yeah. So that's very interesting. I'm an INFP. Mm. You guys are ENFPs. Mm-hmm. So we are very similar personalities, except for I'm introverted and you both are extroverted. Yeah. Wow. It would make sense because, like, back in the day when we used to go party and stuff, you were very you would you would you would come out of your own shell eventually, but it was most of it. Like I was instantly out of my own shell. I was just like, whatever. Oh, I was I was always out of my shell. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, let's. Uh, so yeah, it just right. it does seem like it's a very basic version of the Myers Briggs test, but um, specifically when it comes to like dominance and submission, right? Well, so the the whole idea is that by better understanding the four personality types, one can improve communication, build stronger relationships, and enhance teamwork in personal and professional settings. Mm. So I think the other one is mainly a lot like broader on like, hey, this is kind of who you are in life. This is more so I kind of feel like in a professional, like, again, teamwork, working together, how to oh, get okay. what you want. Mm-hmm. So which would make sense why, you know, it's still used in kind of like a business atmosphere. So it's the Myers-Briggs test for business professionals. I guess, yeah. For your business personality. Everyone does have, like, a different personality when it comes to business. That is very true. I am. Let's be honest. Like, you're, you're a different person when you're. When it comes down to like, well, yeah, like work. you, like even like when you're at work, you're like you put your work smile on. It's a different kind of smile than your authentic one, right? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, our kind of work, yes. Oh, Except for yeah. us, that these are our real smiles, by the way. Right. Yeah. So Olive actually took her professor to show him how new pledges in her sorority were hazed, which involved dressing them up as babies, blindfolding them, uh, tying their hands behind their backs, and hitting them with sticks or paddles. Hold on a second. Someone that was in charge of that had... That was playing to, like, their fantasy of some sort. I I do believe so. I mean, part of it is going to be just kind of tradition. I mean, we still see fraternities doing stuff like this, even though they're not really supposed to, I don't think, anymore. But you still see fraternities doing this today. So I think some of it is probably just tradition, like, oh, hey, every year we do this. However, at least somewhere down the line, there's there's people that maybe they don't even know it, but they yeah. this is a kinky side to them. Yeah. Interesting. On both sides, the people that are in charge and the people that are... Yeah, it's like from the dominant perspective, they're like, yes, yes, do this humiliating thing for me. Pledge your loyalty to me. Yeah. And then on the submissive side, it's like... (gasps) I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So Olive invited William to to the uh, her sorority uh, initiation. For hazing. For I mean, hazing. to, to her, witness was it, hazing. Oh, okay. Was it her being initiated, or is it just other sorority members? Um, Based on my research, I believe it was just witnessing other people's initiation. I think she was already actually in mm. to the sorority. Um, and again, the movie depicts William Marston sneaking in and, like, not it's not known that mm. he's in there, right? Like, the sorority doesn't know that he's watching. <clears throat> However, we do know that afterwards, Olive and William conducted interviews on the upper-class women um, who were hazing, and the research that they kind of came up with was that, in most cases, the women that were involved enjoyed what was happening. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that the movie definitely did not... It's, it definitely looked like, oh, we're sneaking in and doing something naughty. Right. Yeah, and it was like something Olive was, here, you should come watch this, right? 
Yeah. Like it's like Olive knew it was going on. But that does kind of sound like, isn't that how that type of research would even come to be known to begin with? I could totally understand the professors learning that these sororities and fraternities are doing stuff like that. And they're like, ooh, I wonder why they're doing that. Yeah. And they just started studying it. So that's a that's a really good point. I mean, he's a psychology assistant professor. So, you know, yeah, it could be, hey, we're let's kind of try to figure out why this is happening. He's establishing disc theory. He's coming up like, hey, like this is consensual. Hey, they are enjoying it. That's interesting to me. I wonder what Olive's intentions of inviting him were besides for just research purposes. It's hard to say because obviously we don't have like all the facts here, but maybe Olive did go to William and say like, hey, you know, I've I've taken like four of your classes. Something that's kind of interesting is, you know, my sorority does hazing every semester or whatever. Uh, so maybe she pitched it to him, but what we do know is what happens the next year in 1926, Olive actually graduates from college. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Nice. Um, and also at that college graduation, William invited his wife, Sadie to the graduation ceremony to quote, meet someone special and there is a photograph of William, Olive, Olive's mother, and Sadie. Oh, wow. So kind of a group photo of Olive, Sadie, William, and then Olive's mother. So that was their first meeting. Yeah. Mm. As far as we know. I wonder what was going on in Sadie's mind. Like... How much information do you think that he gave Sadie about Olive, I wonder? Like, did she walk into this just thinking, oh, this is just one of his favorite students? Or, like, is this someone that my husband's interested in? My opinion is based on details that are about to come up in the story. To me, I think it was Sadie did not know a whole lot, and it was very much like, hey, come meet my favorite, or like maybe someone that's like very kind of, because keep in mind, Sadie and William both got degrees in psychology, so it very much could have been a, hey, this person, this young person just graduated from college, they're very smart, very bright. I think you should come out here and meet her. Mm -hmm. She's like killing it in all my classes. You know, she's like the smartest person. Yeah, she's getting A's and all of these yeah. other unimportant classes. And babe, you know me, I don't hand out A's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't hand out A's like that. Yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to ask you the same question here in a little bit. How about okay. that? Okay, okay. All right. So Olive decided not to pursue a, gradu a graduate degree in nursing, how she originally kind of planned. Um, and even though her aunt was willing to pay for it, um, but decided that she wanted to go on for psychology. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> she wanted to not only work with William Marston, but also live with him. Mm. Her mother did not approve of this. Uh, this was kind of, if I remember correctly from my research, this was kind of pitched as a, hey, like I could save money, I could stay with him. It makes sense because like we would be doing research together and I would learn so much from this expert in psychology. And we'll save so much more water if we shower together. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. makes sense. And you don't have to buy me an extra bed. I'll just share his bed. Yeah. Right. Right? It makes total sense. Um, <laughs> William Marston ended up leaving Tufts University after Olive graduated. He was there for less than a year. Um, most likely, he was asked to leave uh, due to the relationship with Olive and also his experiments on young women. Probably did not 
go over well. No. The spankings. No. Uh, yeah, the not. internet doesn't like being <laughs> spanked. Olive moved in for the summer uh, with Sadie and William in Connecticut. One version of the family story is that William gave Sadie a choice. Either Olive moved in or he would leave. Which the story goes, this is a family story, keep in mind. Uh, the family story goes that this devastated Sadie. So, first of all, <laughs> there's like a little bit about your kind of like what you just asked about, you know, how much does Sadie know? Based on that family story, I would say probably very little at the time. But also, I wanted to kind of bring up a very good topic point of, you know, Nikki, how do you two decide who joins your relationship since you both are in a poly relationship and have been for a while now? So if painting a picture, if like, say, for example, one of us pulled a William Marston and was like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, kind of been dating this girl for like almost a year. Um, that we probably wouldn't be very excited to be learning that so late. <laughs> By the way, they're moving in, you yeah. know. Um, <clears throat> me and Jenny have pretty open communication as far as like, hey, I met this person. Hey, I think I might be interested in this person. Or, hey, I think I might be interested in this person. I'm still trying to figure this out. And I want her feedback, you know. Yeah. We don't really do anything um, without discussing everything. Yeah, it's everything. like open and honest about everything. Like, you're, I mean, if you're married in a monogamous relationship, you're going to tell your spouse, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to hang out with my friends, you know. Yeah. So, of course, with a polyamorous relationship, it's going to be the same. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. Well, maybe one of those friends eventually develops into something more. During that process, you're always open with your partner or partners if you have multiple. And you just let them know, hey, I'm actually developing feelings for this person. I would like you to meet them. Or at that point, I mean, if they've been your friends for a while, they probably should have met them already, you know? like, yeah. And before you get into, like, real serious with that that person you want to add into your relationship, you need to discuss that with your partners, the partners that you have currently, because that's the relationship that you have that you're building. Yeah. And in order for them to trust you entirely, they expect you to be open about that. Hmm. And I, I feel like with polyamory, it's like an unspoken rule just to be open and honest because there's a lot of jealousy that can happen. There's a lot of miscommunication that can happen if you're not communicating. There's a lot of assumptions that can be made that can be poor, poor assumptions and can can get you and yourself hurt or you and others hurt emotionally. Yeah. Um, Sometimes we feel insecure and we we talk about that with one another. Yeah. You know, we we try to have an open line of communication about our feelings, what feeling it is and when we feel it. You know. Yeah, well with our uh, with our partner that we have, our third partner, Nikki met him through work and then and then mentioned him to me because they were away for work like they're on uh they're traveling for work so i uh i remember talking to her on the phone she was like hey i met i met someone and we've been hanging out they've been really cool uh i would like for us to hang out when i get back you know i want you to meet them and i eventually got to meet him and you know we started doing like dates more formal dates and like uh, one thing led to another and you know eventually i was calling on my boyfriend and he was moving in and it's just like if you can be open and honest and communicating properly with your partner the craziest amazing things can happen yeah especially if you're willing to explore polyamory because i feel like a lot of couples could be better as throuples or whatever you want to call it <laughs> So, Nikki, 
Jay. Has there ever Jenny. been a kind of someone, maybe someone got feelings for somebody and the other person didn't agree? Yeah. That's oh, happened. Yeah. That's happened a few times. All right. So how, how did that go? Ooh. So it more starts out with like Jenny. Jenny's like very overprotective, I think, sometimes. So she's like, I don't know about this person yet. I don't know what their intentions are. And then I'm just kind of like, oh, but, you know, but they're so nice or they're so cute. And, you know, um, we kind of play that out. And I I accept her caution. And I try to be more cautious. And, you know, we try to get the approval from one another. of Like, hey, yeah, let's let's. Let's move this forward a little bit. If I don't approve of someone, usually I'm like, hey, let me get to know them because I have high walls. Mm. <clears throat> I don't trust people very easily because people tend to betray that trust. Ooh, but, she looked at somebody. Uh, Are they watching? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> Are you watching? But, uh, so yeah, some people tend to betray that trust, and I, I just don't want to give people my my all right away if I don't know them. So if she knows if she knows of someone that I'm very like, eh, about, I, I give them the chance to prove me wrong, basically. I give that person the chance to mess up and, you know, prove to me that they're not worth my time, kind of, you know. Um, yeah, because you don't, in, in our relationship, you don't always, in, in our way we have it formed, you don't always have to agree on each other's partners, but it, it would be better, you know. So the approval is 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 better than disapproval. Jay looks like he has more questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm sure Ask more. Ask I'm more. sure our viewers have questions yeah. too. So, um, so if, for instance, Nikki did start started getting feelings for somebody, um, let's just call them. I don't know. William. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Wait, oh, I real why. William or sexy Hollywood William? Hollywood William. Oh, okay. 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 So William comes into the picture, start mingling, you start hanging out with them, you start developing feelings. You go to Jenny, your daddy Jenny, hey, I'm starting to get feelings. Jenny's like, whoop, hold up, high walls here, let's get to know this guy a little bit better. Jenny, you get to know him a little better. And Jenny, you're just absolutely like, no, he's going to gain like 200 pounds. He's not going to be attractive. Just no. <laughs> just, um, well, but you were very strong. You're very strong. And you're like, but I, I want to move in with him and I want to study psychology with him. And he's just, he's really in the comics. And <laughs> I don't know. I think he could really go somewhere with this. Yeah. You know, um I don't know, Jenny, how 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 would you handle that? If I don't like someone, I don't like someone. Basically. But it's my heart and I and I think I might be into this person. But I guess like a direct question is if you are a hundred percent against somebody Oh yeah, she can veto. Yeah. So that's it. She's allowed well, to veto. If she's like one hundred percent dead set, like, no, this yeah, person's I bad for you. I I trust Jenny. You have to you know So for me I have to have it's funny because I'm gonna lay this out like it's court. I have to have incrimin incriminating <laughs> evidence on this person to dignify that they cannot be a part of a relationship. Mm. Because like, if I'm like, for instance, I'm like, I don't like that person because they talk a certain way. That's not an excuse enough to not like person or not to involve them in the relationship. But if I'm like, that person is a liar, mm. I will. And I feel passionate that they're a liar. That's the time where it's like, this is an example of when they're lying. This is an example of when they're doing something that I don't like. And that's when it's like, when she, if she doesn't accept that, then it's like, then it becomes a problem. But it's usually at that point, if I can prove like, hey, this person is really not that good of a person and she can see it, it's, it, we're both in agreement. Like, okay, maybe we shouldn't be talking to this person. But now that we have three, we're a we're a thruple, it's it's a veto system with three people. Mm. So 
I, we never come into the situation where yeah. one of us approves and another one doesn't, and like one person's infatuated with a new person. You know, we haven't come and encountered that situation yet. But I'll let you know when when it happens and how we <laughs> handle it. Yeah. It's just anything, any problem, any situation, any relationship in a when it comes to polyamory, spe- specifically, requires communication. Yeah, yeah, and we've dated outside of our thruple. Yeah, and we've had disagreements on people that we've dated outside of our thruple, you know, and I don't know. I think it's been going okay so far. It's it's only made me and Jenny's relationship stronger oh, throughout yeah. this process. Yeah, to be honest, like, and I, so I imagine with the line of work that you two do. Obviously, it's probably very easy to meet maybe potential new additions to the group. Yeah, occasionally we come across somebody that we yeah. really like, you know, and because we obviously we we have if we have similar personalities, we already care about similar work, you know. Yeah, we, have, we live similar lifestyles. Yeah, with yeah. our line of work, yeah, we do meet a lot of people that are potential candidates, but like. I feel like uh, the further on we get in our relationship and our relationship with uh, our boyfriend that it's like it's we're not as searching searching as much. Yeah. Like I feel like I, when it was just us two, we were definitely actively. We, we both kind of wanted to share a boyfriend kind of thing. And yeah, and even when we had him in our life, we we still we're looking you know you know like we're still open to it but i feel like the older we get the more uh it feels like they find us rather than us finding them yeah it's not like it's very much people find us and they fall in love with us instead of us being like oh i found this new person so for the the fans because you two both have a very large fan base okay Mm -hmm. for the fans at home would either one of you or both of you consider dating a fan? Mm. Would we date a fan? I, it, it really depends on, because like, I, I think I would have to not know they're a fan first. Because, mm. um, well, that's funny you bring that up, babe. What? So, our boyfriend has said that they, they used to, you know, they used to watch Reddit you know, were they a fan of us? Well, so he wasn't aware that oh of who God. I was because you know <laughs> I w- I wore my hair differently at work. You know, had yeah. my hair tied back and I always had mm-hmm. stupid hat on. Mm-hmm. So he it took him a while and like once I confided in him like yeah I, I do I do cam work on the side and he's like wait a second. Oh my god. He was a fan, wasn't he? <laughs> I mean, he wasn't like a subscribed fan or anything. It's more of like he I know, he's I know. seen some of my posts and upvoted them. It's okay. I So that I guess as an example, it didn't really matter. It doesn't okay. really matter. Like I, I guess I would because but if they were like a huge like if they were like a super fan, they were like, Oh my god, you know, like I've seen you and I love your stuff. Like and I just I just watch it every single day. How do they like, say it again? I love your stuff, and <laughs> and they're like liking all my Twitter pictures, liking all my Instagram pictures, subscribe to like all my subscription sites. It you would know. depend on the level of fan. Yeah, if it's like an obsessive fan, eh, no. maybe kind of turned off a little bit by that. But. Yeah. But if it's someone that's a normal person that's like, hey, I'm also a fan of your work. Like I support, yeah. I support the things you do. I think y'all are hot. I like your personalities. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd talk to this person. Yeah. I'd have a drink with this person. Okay, I think that's like very common. Also, when we see like famous like actors or actresses, yeah, they kind of say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So no one wants like the fanatic there, like obsessing <laughs> over them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm now dating my stalker. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that'd be scary. What do you find attractive in other people? I don't know. Honestly. What do I find attractive in butts? other people? Yeah, <laughs> butts. There's butts. Um, trying to think, important things. For me, butts. it's 
We said butts. Yeah, for me it's uh, butts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, all right, I'll be serious. Send butt pics. So, um, all seriousness, probably butts. <laughs> all right, so those <laughs> of you at home, do not send dick pics. Send butt pics. No, stop. Don't um, tell, don't tell them that. Send butt pics. Don't please Where can don't they send tell them? them that. Uh. On Twitter, follow them what, on Twitter, send them butt pics on Wait, what do I what do I look tackle? for in a partner? Um I value I value humor. I really like I like humor. I like kindness, generosity, I like intelligence. Someone that will smother her with attention twenty four seven. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's nice, um, but not too much. I just like butts. There you have it. Well, I, I really do. I agree with her, though. Personality is everything for me, and you have to be quite intelligent. Like, you have to actually hold a conversation with me yeah. and be engaging in the conversation. Because, uh, like, looks are important, of course, like pretty eyes, pretty smile, things like that. But... After you get over that, oh, you're so pretty part, there's the very important part is the personality, the person behind the smile. Yeah. And for me, that's a, that's, it'll kill it or keep it going for me. Like, I could be super attractive to, attracted to you. Like, you could be like Brad Pitt hot, you know, or like freaking, uh, what's her name? Um, you could be like Brad Pitt hot or. I think you just, you can't stop thinking about Brad Pitt. I can't. It's you could be, <laughs> you could be like, okay, let me say that again. You could be like Brad Pitt hot, but if you don't have a good personality and you're, you know, as dull as like can be, yeah, I, I'm not gonna like. I'm gonna look past that physical attractiveness because when when I look for a partner specifically, I'm looking for like a match, like a personality match. Nice. It's like it's like looks are kind of like a secondary thing. And we like nerdy, funny, sweet, sweet people. Mm. I think it's like mostly our demographic. Nerdy and funny. Mm-hmm. Nice. If you can't make me laugh, just go home. Yeah. All right. Well, I know we got like off topic a little bit, but since we are talking about polyamory, since... Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's relevant. It's yeah. definitely relevant. The movie tried to paint a more ethical-looking polyamory story. They did if they if they told the real William Marston story, people would probably be more turned off of his personality, his personality, and polyamory in general. It, it like it puts a negative mark on it if you make it look like a polyamorous relationship started off in a negative way. Yeah. Even in a movie, because like everyone's saying that, people that don't know what polyamory even means, people that don't e don't even know that dating in in throuples is a thing, are gonna see that. Whereas in the movie, Sadie was there for a long, like along for the ride the whole time. It seemed like, and he, and even he got her to admit that she was into Olive. Yeah. While testing the the lie detector, you know. They definitely went a different route with the movie. Yeah. There's probably there's probably a hidden reason behind that. Hopefully what I'm thinking is the reason. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> for for me Paint him in a better light. Yeah. It's yeah. if you look at the true story, which take that with maybe a grain of salt because we're dependent on so much of like family stories or diaries. Mm. So uh but from what we know to be the true story versus what was actually made into a movie, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a movie and they need to sell tickets and it needs to be attractive and sexy. And Oh, yeah. they Them being separated would have made the movie harder to get mm -hmm. to the point. It yeah. kinda, you kind of needed all characters to be there to quickly tell that story in the however many minutes. That it is. I think it's like, what, two hours? Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense that they changed some things. Yeah. Yeah. 
talked about a little bit of William Morrison again. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, that's it, guys. I I think it's fucking... It's time to close got, it out. Yeah, I think we got enough content. Yeah, we kind of talked about a lot there. Um, yeah. Went over his very strange introduction to his relationship with Olive. That was not what I was expecting. Yeah. I, again, I, the beginning of the story, you know, coming from the movie to the, to the book and doing the research, I very much was like, oh, he's a, he's a hero of mine. This guy's, this guy sounds great. He's a go-getter. Um, he is submissive. This shows that like submissive men like aren't weak. We're not simps necessarily. Like we can be like out there business leaders going and getting stuff done. And like, this is just who we are on a different level. And then like, there's key points in this story such as that right there that we just dropped where I'm just like, Oh yeah. So he also did this. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also, it's, I think it's easy for us to try to put people like in this hero status of like, oh, they could do no bad. Like they could do no wrong. They're perfect. He was human. He was very much human. Yeah, just like the rest of us. So yeah. that's funny. We started off the story and it started very like historical, informational. And now it's really starting to get like kinky and sexual. <laughs> We're just like really getting into the part of like finally Wonder Woman. Like the really good parts of Wonder Woman, and uh, we just kind of cut it off, right? We're 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 leaving you guys off on a on a spicy part. Yeah. Uh, next episode, we might actually get to see the birth of Wonder Woman. Mm. Ooh. The next William Marston episode. Y'all have to stay tuned for that because it's gonna be good. Yeah. So also, don't forget to check out our Discord, and we also have a Patreon. And don't forget that you can always buy us a coffee on Kofi or also listen to the audio only version on Spotify, Google. And all of your other favorite podcast streaming services. Everywhere. Everywhere. If if there's a place where the podcast is not, let Let us us know. know. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know, please. Yes. It was fun. It was real. Until next time, Mickey Sapphire. It's your girl, Jenny Banks, signing out. Stay kinky, that's an order, but make sure that you actually have communication in your relationships. Don't force anyone into a poly relationship or a kinky relationship, but in general, stay kinky. Just God, keep it kinky. Keep do- keep- <laughs> we fucking keep doing this every single We are a natural to some. And Look at this shirt. Look at this shirt. <laughs> Look at the shirt that probably shouldn't be on YouTube. Look at this shirt that probably... <laughs> This is going to be in part of the outro, probably. But yeah, thanks for listening. We are unnatural to some. Take care. Roll the credits.